Welcome to a great day for Hockey Talk. Brought to you by our founding partner, PPG, official paint of the Penguins. Here's Paul Steigerwald. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk. We're going to take you back to 1984. And the Penguins coach, Bob Barry, the first coach for Mario Lemieux, was hired only a few days before Mario was drafted. He had coached in Montreal. He had coached in Los Angeles. He had played for the Los Angeles Kings, was a two-time All-Star. He was a pretty smart guy, man, and a unique guy in the sense that he went to college, a very good athlete. He was a pro football player for a second there, and uh, just a real joy to talk to all the time when he was here in Pittsburgh, and needless to say, a joy to catch up with on the phone. Here he is, the coach of the Penguins from 1984 to 87, Bob Barry. I want to ask you first of all, Bob. Uh, you're in you're in Palm Springs, right? Well, it's actually Palm Palm Desert, which is adjacent to Palm Springs, and uh, both my both my boys and their family live here. So uh, it's 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 pretty convenient for everybody. How's grandfatherhood? It's uh it's expensive, especially <laughs> now. I was just I was just wrapping Christmas presents because. Brad, my oldest boy, has uh, he has four four children. He says I have four kids, all boys, except for three girls, and they're all <laughs> under twelve years old. And uh, Brock, my young my younger guy, has got a uh, five year old boy and a six year old boy and a three year old girl. So, what'd you bring me? They call me Bobbo. What do you bring me, Bobbo? Nothing, you little rat. <laughs> But only kidding, only kidding, only no, kidding. No, They're I, great kids. That's really great. I, I've seen pictures of you on Facebook with your kids, your grandkids. It looks like it's really a fun time for you in your life. But let's go all the way back because um, I'm amazed when I look at your career. First of all, you're from Montreal, so and you're an Anglo. Like, I, did you speak any French at all, just a little bit? As you know, when you are, were coming through from Montreal to play hockey. <laughs> Well, you know, when when you go to school in Montreal, you you, you take French. You starting in grade three, and and it's it's very very elementary, and it, it 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 really was Parisian French, which Quebec French is is somewhat different. It, there's there's a little bit more slang to it. There's nothing wrong with it, but um, when I when I did get the job in, in Montreal, Irving Grunman was the general manager, and he said, uh, "How's your French?" I said, "Well, I mean, I can you know." I can I can get by as long as it's not too difficult. He said we're going to put you in Berlitz for two weeks. So I, I went to a Berlitz school uh, class or whatever it was for two weeks and took French. Uh, and it got so that the people that dealt with me on the TV, the TV people, they knew I had tried really hard. So they, there was never a question of them trying to embarrass me or something. I, I'd say, just, just give me a hint of what we're going to talk about tonight so I know that I'm not, you know, talking about Rossi the Snowman and when you're talking <laughs> about John Bellavo or something like that. Well, so it was very good for me, and it was very, and it was, and it was, and it was very good just in general. And long before you ended up in Montreal as a coach, you were there as a player for a few games, and then they sold you to the Los Angeles Kings. But before that, you played college hockey, and I want to ask you about that experience because, you know, I know there were college players in the league. I mean, Tony Esposito went to Michigan Tech, so did Lou Angotti. There were, you know, a number of guys who played college hockey, but still it wasn't all that prevalent, and you played Canadian college hockey on top of that. So tell me about that experience. Well, I think that, I think that that's probably changed now with, 
you know, number one with expansion and more teams and stuff. But um, there were two big English colleges in Montreal, McGill, which was very, very famous for uh, producing doctors and lawyers and everything else. And there was Sir George Williams, which was an excellent business school. And I went to Sir George, and we had a great group of, of hockey players and ended up going twice to the finals, not winning, unfortunately. We played teams from out west, but hockey was very, very popular. We we played, uh, when we played McGill, we uh, we played them at the Forum and had 12,000 people, you know, so it, it, was, it was quite an experience. But then I see that you yeah. went to junior hockey for a couple of years, so what, you, were you kind of make, trying to make a decision about how you wanted your career to go or what you wanted yeah, to do? Yeah, yes, I, I, I really wanted to play for the, for the junior Canadians, but I mean, they had they had too many good players, and uh, uh, I just wasn't good enough to play on that. Were you? I'm looking at your resume, and I don't see that you were drafted. But maybe they just don't have it here. But you know, I think I think I think in those days, uh, if you lived in Montreal, you belonged to Montreal. Yeah, that's what I figured. You lived in, in Toronto, Montreal, you yeah. belonged to Toronto. There, there was no real draft thing until uh, around expansion time. To the best of my knowledge, you know, if you if you were a Montrealer, that, that's who owned you. Mm-hmm. That's who you went to. So, and uh, when when we were young, um, my dad might get tickets, and he he'd say on a Monday, he says, "I think I think I'm going to get tickets next Saturday." Who are they playing? Toronto or Chicago? It didn't matter, you know. Yeah, I mean, you'd be so excited just to go to the games because you couldn't get tickets to go and see the games. You know, it was a it was a treat to go. And you, I assume, were a big Montreal Canadiens fan, so you got to go to the Forum every now and then. And who were your favorite players? Yes. Like, who were guys that you really thought were cool? And as well, a kid? I mean, Bella, Bellavo for sure. I mean, I'm going back in, in those days, and and Morris Richard. You know, there, there there was a lot of controversy English and French in, in those days uh, in in the province of Quebec. But you know, when you went to a hockey game, you didn't care if the guy was Chinese or German or not. I mean, Morris Richard was Morris Richard, and he was, you know, he was one of the all time greats. And Henry was great. Jean Beliveau was great. Uh, then they had the teams with with John Ferguson, who wasn't that great, but was a great leader. And Ralph Backstrom. Uh, you know, just just a just a myriad of, of of great players that came through and won championships. Well, Bob, you uh, went on to uh, play for the Los Angeles Kings. The Canadians sold your rights. Uh, do you happen to know how much they sold them for? <laughs> Two cents. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You became a pretty valuable player for the LA Kings. Two years, you went to uh, to the All Star game. And, you know, I, I was thinking before we get into the whole thing of coming to Pittsburgh and everything, I just thought to get a, give the folks a little background on you. But you, you know, you had an affinity for Los Angeles. Like once you became the coach of the Penguins, and we'll get to that, but, you know, you had an opportunity to go to a really nice place to play hockey. So that had to be a great thing for you, like to move from Montreal where you couldn't play in their, on their top team. You played a couple of years in the minors, and now you're, all of a sudden you're, you're in Los Angeles playing hockey. must yeah, have been great. It- yeah, it, it was, uh, I can remember distinctly, and I've said this so many times before, that we had training camp at uh, in Victoria at the Empress Hotel, which is, you know, one of, one of the nicest hotels, I think, in Canada, uh, when Mr. Cook owned the team. And um, the night before, it was the opening game, 1970, Vancouver was just in the league in, the, in expansion, and it was on TV across Canada on Saturday night, and I can remember calling my mom and dad and saying, "There's a 
25 of us, 24, 25 of us here. There's only going to be 19 dressing tomorrow night. I don't know if I'm going to dress or if I'm not going to dress. And and I've told this story. It makes me sound pretty good. But we won 3-1, to one and I scored two goals. Great. And the, 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 the coach came around, and he shook hands with everybody. Good game. He got to me, and he says, if you think you're going to do that every damn night, you're crazy. And he walked right by, and everybody <laughs> laughed. Who was the coach? Oh, man. Uh, Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. Yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. know, I know who yeah. you mean. Yeah. yeah, you know, even though player, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, name, yeah, yeah. So but he he was always very good to me. That's great. And then when when you uh you know you were in Los Angeles and then you you ended up you know retiring and then you get a job coaching the Montreal Canadiens, your hometown team. I mean, that's incredible, really, if you think about it. You know, uh, you had coached the Kings first, but 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 you you obviously had made a good impression on people and and for you to be able to go to montreal and coach that must have been amazing yeah. What a yeah, thrill. it was it was like i don't know how you would explain that to anybody um to 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 go back to your hometown from when you were a three or four year old kid loved the montreal canadians and have them these guys start negotiating with you not negotiating but saying maybe you would you have any interest and blah 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 blah. I mean, I would I would I would have ran there. And uh, I mean, I got so many phone calls from guys that I went to school with and stuff like that. It was it was it was quite quite an experience to coach the Montreal Canadiens, the New York Yankees, uh, you know, you name it, whoever the, the big sports teams were. That it was it was awesome. What about the pressure? Did it get to you? Or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the the pressure the pressure was was always there. I mean, if if you if if you didn't win, uh, there there was uh, I think two English papers and two or three French papers. So you, you'd get blasted some way. Uh, the team in general, uh, but most most likely the the coach. But someone phoned me the other day from Montreal and said that uh, Chris Nyland had uh has a radio show or something now in in montreal and he was i don't know if you remember him he was a pretty sure, tough yeah. guy <clears throat> yeah he was and, in town here to promote that movie that he was involved in with the yeah on fighters yeah, yeah but he didn't he didn't play a whole lot and he was he was our enforcer and tough guy so after practice you know how i was i'd like to give them a good skate if they weren't doing it, and he would always complain and i guess someone phoned me the other day and said on the radio he said he never really appreciated how much I did for him because I used to skate the crap out of him after after practice every day, and it made him a better player. He said so. That's nice to get that back. Yeah, sure is. Um, so you're in Montreal, and you guys got to the playoffs, but you couldn't win in the first round of the playoffs. And I I re- actually remember seeing you down in the bowels of the Civic Arena, leaning against a pillar, smoking a cigarette one night, and the Canadians were having a tough time at that particular time, and. You looked like you were the the pressure was pretty pretty severe on you and uh, you know and I learned when you came to Pittsburgh that you you weren't you didn't mess around man you wanted to win and you set that tone for your teams and uh, you were a good coach you came to Pittsburgh and you were hired on June the fourth five days before Mario was drafted of course everybody knew Mario was going to be selected by the Penguins but yeah. what happened there what 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 how did you end up in Pittsburgh how did EJ contact you etc. Do you remember? Well, it just there was a phone call, and I I I didn't know EJ personally. I I had I had played against him, and and you know knew his family pretty well from from uh, Montreal, uh, and 
I think EJ, and I say this probably in a, in a, in a selfish sort of way, I think he realized that I, that I knew what I was doing at that stage and, and was interested in having me come down there. So uh, it, it, it was just it's something that worked out very, very well for all of us. And he was a very, 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 uh, very, an excellent hockey man and, and a very sincere person. And it was wonderful to be with, really, to play with or to, to coach with. And you, uh, you uh, within five days, uh, the Penguins selected Mario. I remember being in the suite at the hotel where every team has their own suite, and we were sitting around when they showed Mario on television saying he wasn't coming to the table, and you did not react uh, too well to that. You weren't too pleased with what, what had happened. Yeah. But, but within only a few days, Bob, uh, you got a chance to meet him in Pittsburgh. He signed his contract in All's Well That Ends Well. Uh, so what was it like just uh, knowing that you were going to be the guy who was going to be coaching this young player and trying to you know, show him the ropes a, a, at the NHL level? Well, I would, I would like to think with hindsight that I, I, didn't, I didn't treat him openly any different than any, than any of the other players, um, if, if you know what I mean. I don't. Yes. I don't. You know, say no matter. You just take a day off. You know, don't come tomorrow if you want. Because, you know, he he wasn't. Uh, I mean, he, he was one of the greatest players I've ever seen. I saw him at the uh, at the draft when the, when uh, he had retired, and and when I wasn't, I was scouting, and uh, we had a good laugh. I said to him, if I'd have known how damn good you would have been, you you were going to be when I had you that first year, I'd have been a lot nicer to you, man. <laughs> he just started. <laughs> Well, it was actually not till the next season that Mario got his first hat trick. It was a four goal game in St. Louis on New Year's Eve, and, uh, and I remember it well because I was calling the game. Mike Lang was doing a game for ESPN, so I got a chance to do play by play that early in my life. And uh, I was in St. Louis doing wow. the game, and it was, I remember it distinctly. But um, anyway, Mario uh, had a hundred points his rookie year, and he missed. Uh, I think either seven or nine games. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was yeah. seven games. He he played sixty three games, and I remember how he got hurt. He got hurt actually going knee on knee with Darren Veach, who played for the Washington Capitals. But yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah. you know, just any game that Mario missed was a game that you guys might not win. You know what I mean? And yeah. you, yeah, and and no you, question you about that. And you had guys had a good like. By the time I thought that eighty five eighty six team was pretty good. And I want to talk about Jimmy Roberts because he was your assistant coach. He had an affinity and a, and a knowledge of the Buffalo organization. He had been in Rochester. He knew Randy Cunningworth, and I thought that was a really good pickup when you guys got him. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Good, good, very good call. And uh, I really think about Jimmy, Jimmy quite a bit um, because I called uh, him in in Buffalo to ask about one of the assistant coaches there. And uh, he said, well, why, why do you want to talk? He said, well, I said, I need to have an assistant coach. He said, well, he said, man, he said, I'd like to come there. And I didn't know Jimmy. You know, I played against him and knew him, but I didn't, I didn't really know him. And uh, so I told Eddie that, and Eddie almost fell off the table. He said, phone him up, tell him, get on a plane, come on over here tomorrow, and we'll talk. And that's, that's how it started. So, um, and, and Jimmy wore and number became, eight, eight, you know, That's great. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, no. But he was just, you know, he was an honest guy. He called, he called a spade a shovel. I mean, you know, he didn't <laughs> fool around. Yes, I know, and uh, no nonsense uh, kind of guy. And 
You know, he was a, a, a uh, he loved Toe Blake. If you remember, he used to wear that funny hat that Toe yep. Blake wore, and he yep. wore he wore those yep. funny gloves when he was on the yeah, ice. Yeah, he Jimmy a, used to wear the hat. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a real character. Uh, Jumbo, we called him. I remember he used to he used to say he had two pairs of pants. He had his pants for like the winter time when he was putting the weight on. <laughs> no, and, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Man, yeah. he was fun to have around. Yeah. But uh, you guys but had this, had a good working relationship. I take it. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah, we were, we were very close. We, he took a lot of my money playing golf, but <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> I, I remember this is kind of funny with him because you know he had the cigar going and he, anything he said was like curt and you know right to the point, you know. Yep. And we were teeing off one morning early, and I hit the first one out of bounds or something. And, you know, we didn't practice or warm up or anything, and I said to Jimmy, uh, Jim, uh, what, what would you say if I hit another one? He said, I, I say you'd be lying three when you're finished. And now, you know, that was the end of the discussion. There was no extra shots with him. Wow. And he really was that good, huh? I didn't realize he was a good golfer. No, he was. No, no. Yeah, he was, he was a good golfer. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. And I assume you are too, Bob. I know you're a good athlete. You played football in college, didn't you? Or high school? Well, I, I, I played actually. I actually played uh, a couple of exhibition games for the Alouettes, which was the CFL. And I played for the... Uh, uh, a, a team. I can't even remember the name of them now. But the, there was a like they tried to get a, a, an American League team going. Uh, rifles, I think. Yeah, because Sam Echeverry was was the coach, and it was uh, it was minor league stuff. But we played in places like Canton, Ohio, and different spots like that, and in Montreal. But yeah, I could catch a ball in the crowd. Peggy. Oh yeah, you were a wide receiver, honey. That's amazing. So how did you get your football experience in Montreal? Like you know, uh, just you know, what I mean, but it, it was pretty defined in, in in those days where we grew up. We we, we grew up in a, uh, a middle class uh, a neighborhood that had the had sports facilities that, by today's standards, were, were were just unheard of. We had we had an indoor rink, we had an indoor curling rink, we had three outdoor hockey rinks, we had. A major league baseball type diamond with dugouts. We had a football field with a track around it. So it was real simple. I played four years of little league. I played, you know, all the way up, right up till junior in baseball. And it was the same thing when when the summer was over, you played football. When that was over, you played hockey. It was it was it was unbelievable. It really, really was. The town of Mount Royal. It was unbelievable. And then you come to Pittsburgh. I guess you went to a couple Steeler games every now and then. I would think you would have. Yeah, been I love with... the ice. Love the Steelers. Yeah, I still. Yeah, I was watching them the other day. I just, I just, uh, I lost track of football just a little bit. Just the college games, I don't watch anymore. I mean, I don't mind. I used to like watch Alabama play Michigan or something. Now you know, Southwest Indiana, Iowa, or something like that is playing <laughs> someone I don't even ever heard of. So. <laughs> hey, Bob. Uh, so many so... games on. So those times in Pittsburgh uh, with with the team, um, what I remember was the Penguins desperately needed to make the playoffs. It was like that was the thing that would make them legit. And the problem was you were in the Patrick division, which was a six-team division. The other teams' divisions had five teams. And the teams you had to play 
like seven or eight times a year, were also among the best teams in the league. So to right. and, the, and it was a divisional format. So the top four teams yeah. in each division made the playoffs, kind of like what they have today. Except today, it's now the top three, and you have wild card. If they had wild card teams back then, maybe the Penguins would have made the playoffs. There yeah. were teams that made the playoffs with points in the fifties, like the Leafs, when you guys had yeah. points in the eighties, and you didn't get in, and they did. It was yeah. absolutely yeah. a travesty, and and that must have been frustrating. Yeah. Well, it was frustrating, but I'll, I'll I, I I will say that there was never um, there was never the cause that we didn't try. You know, you know what I mean. I'm not talking about myself, but you know, it'd be easy for me to say, well, we didn't make it because we had three guys that didn't give a shit if they make the playoffs and blah 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 blah. You know, like everybody wanted to make it, but like you say, that the competition was just at that time, just a little too much for us, I think. And I, I could play myself a little bit, too. Maybe I could have done a better job. Do you remember being pretty upset with the team, though? You had uh, the famous uh, circus performers uh, thing that people still love to bring back. It was pretty funny, but you were obviously very upset with the team, and that was at the end of your career in Pittsburgh when the team had been struggling and looked like they were definitely not going to make the playoffs. And uh, When you did that, I just wondered if you thought at the time – my days are numbered anyway, or like because it wasn't like you to rip your team. I mean, or you rip your players, but you were upset that night. I know that. What did I do? Who did I rip? What did I do? No, you just said they weren't. Pro- you said uh, they're uh, they think of themselves as professional hockey players. They're hockey players, but they're not professionals. And you call them circus performers, and it's really a funny yeah, a funny yeah, bit. Yeah. It's become legendary. People love it in Pittsburgh, and it ended up in a book. And you know, people have have talked about it all the time. Um, and you know that that's like Tommy Lasorda or something. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of examples of that in other sports where a, where a manager or a coach goes off. Yeah, yeah. Tommy could lose it. I, there's there's that one that every 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 third word is blanked out because he's using swear words. Exactly. You know? But, but when but you're when, asking me what I think of so and so's home run, and blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> exactly. And I'm just wondering if you. And, you know, you obviously it isn't a thing that you could think of very often, but people around here do. But I, I just wonder what it was like at the end of that of your tenure in Pittsburgh. Were you, how did you feel at that point? Were you a little bitter? Were you frustrated? Like, what, what were your emotions when it all went down at the end? Well, let's just go back a little bit. I don't, I don't think, I think you know me well enough to know that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out on a rampage. Um. I, 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 I many times blamed myself. You know, I played the wrong goalie. Uh, I shouldn't have had that guy on the ice. And I'm not trying to make myself out that I, I, I tried to, to accept things that went wrong if it was my fault. So when I had that little tirade that time, I, I don't remember exactly what had happened, but somebody must have screwed up and pissed me off. <laughs> Yeah. You know, what I remember, too, is uh, when I would go around the locker room before the game and I'd be around because I was doing interviews and things and probably bugging you beyond belief. But you would say things like, get out of here, Staggy. Like I, I could I knew that you wanted a certain tone in that area down there. That was your sanctuary. And I can also remember, yeah. Bob. When you first came to Pittsburgh, you know, I was a marketing director and I had to work. I was trying to get players involved in our marketing and trying to do stuff. And I was kind of had a mandate to do that. And you came from Montreal where that stuff wasn't really important. Like, you know, they sold tickets. Do you remember that? You remember having to get used to that idea of having to deal with all that stuff? I was very standoffish against all those things. And I apologize for that. But that's. No, I get it. That's the way it was in my mind at that time. You know, like even in Montreal, I mean, 
you know, after practice, there'd be 12 guys there, but there, there was a time for them and there was a time they didn't, they just didn't walk around and come in the dressing room when they felt like it, you know, the, 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 after practice, the door was shut. And then when the door was open, they could come in. So that, that's the way it was. I'm not making it sound like I made up those things because I, I didn't. That was just the tradition in Montreal, you know. Yeah, and it was a tradition really that was around the league. And we but we were in a position of having to sell tickets and, and try to yeah, yeah. find different ways to do it. But what's interesting is if you watched what they do now, I mean, it's unbelievable. They mic players. Yeah. They might, you know, I mean, everybody's uh, yeah. the access to the locker rooms. You see the coaches talking to the players. The Penguins do fan, yeah. fantastic programming with That's all good. this. It's That's changed good. dramatically, yeah. right? It is good, yeah. You like it now? Well, there have been a few blank outs if they had me talking to the players. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Uh, so, hey, okay, just just a minute now. How's your family life? How's everything going with you? Good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I have uh, my brother John. You know, you know him. Probably remember him being on TV in Pittsburgh. He's still around. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got some radio stuff he's doing, and uh, I have a couple of grandkids myself. And you oh, know, great. And uh, oh, you know, I, I I've been I'm you know I've I'm single at the age of sixty five, but. Uh, you know, I'm I'm enjoying myself. I, you know, it's a different world I'm living in now because I was traveling for so many years. Now I'm home yeah, all the time, yeah, but uh, yeah. I traveled for a long time. And you know, Bob, I think you know. I mean, when you travel like we did in this in this careers that we yeah. picked, uh, it, sometimes it has a, puts a strain on your whole family thing. I mean, it's just it's not easy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, especially especially not not to detract from that at all, but you know, in in L.A. when we traveled, you know, we we. We'd play four games in five nights and then, you know, take the red eye home or something like that and then play maybe not the next night, but, you know, you play four games in, in five, five nights on the road, that takes it out of you. I don't care who you are. And, and well, you know, it's amazing. Travel just gets you after a while. And then your family's got something to do because if you've been on the road for five days and you lost all four games, you ain't going to be going home and saying, how's it going there? You know? <laughs> yeah, I do know. You know, in my, my case, I didn't. I didn't feel the pressure, you know, Bob, of that because I wasn't in that world. But you, you know, you had to win, and that's a, that's a that's a yeah. lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, you left Pittsburgh and went on to St. Louis. You had a nice career with the Blues, and then of course you were a scout. Uh, uh, I last time I think I saw you in person, and you were scouting. When you were scouting in California, did you stay where you were? Uh, and then the teams kind of came to you, or did you travel during those years you were scouting? No, mo- most most of the time, um, you know, I I could I could see L.A. obviously um, and and Anaheim, but uh, there was there was no real restrictions on on. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Dean Lombardi would call me and say, "I want you to go to St. Louis, or I want you to go to Chicago," and I would plan a trip around it, around doing something like that, or or. You know Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, but uh, I, I they, they didn't say to me, "We want you to see all the games at L.A. and Anaheim or something like that." Or uh, no, I I traveled at 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 will. You know, I remember when we used to travel with the Penguins uh, to L.A. You always had to stay at the in Redondo Beach at the Portofino Inn. That place was pretty cool. I like that yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. that and that was different. I mean, you know, because it was a kind of a beachy hotel, but it was in the winter time. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was right on the water and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, did you find players for having a tan when when, uh, when no. you were coaching in no. LA? There was a rumor that no, they... I, no, I just you know I might have said that, but I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. 
there were guys that, that got into the habit that when practice was over, they'd be on the beach lying there, you know, and, you know, stuff like that. We, we had to eradicate. <laughs> I get it. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you still uh, watch hockey at all now, or are you, are you just so busy yeah, with yeah, it? Yeah, I flick, around, I flick around with it. I flick around with it. Do you miss it at all? Do you miss being around the game, or did you have your fill? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't be with that all your life and not, you know, and not. Uh, I, I, I miss the camaraderie of the, of, of the people, you know. I mean, you, you, you can imagine not having Jimmy around. At least that's, that's one positive thing. Yeah. Uh, before I say goodbye to you, Bob, I just want to know if you could just give me kind of a synopsis, if you would, just a summary of what you felt about Pittsburgh and what it means to you now. Like looking back on it, that few years that you were here and, and just uh, the, the fact that you were associated with early, the early career of Mario Lemieux. I'll never forget my three years in Pittsburgh. Uh, not just the city, but the players, players' family, the people who worked for the Penguins, uh, all the Penguin fans. A great experience in 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 my hockey life. I mean, I uh, I still get excited uh, when I when I see the Penguins. I mean, you know, it was to me it was a big small town or small big town. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I loved I loved it there. I mean, I loved it there. And that's you know, you asked me a question and uh, an answer. The, the people that I met there, uh, yourself, uh, you know, you name it. I mean. Great affinity for the city. Great affinity. Okay, Bob, thank you so much. Take care, right? We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Bob Barry, Mario Lemieux's very first coach in the National Hockey League. This is Paul Steigerwald. Thanks again for listening to It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk, and we'll talk to you next time.